On this week's episode, will Black Adam soar big at the box office? Are we taking a ticket to paradise? And what's the controversy with Bayonetta? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, of course, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae, and of course, the great folks at Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which is part of the Wizards and Wine Emporium. Plus, if you can go ahead and subscribe today, not only on those YouTube channels, but our YouTube channel at Pop Culture Cosmos, you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the great shows. In fact, next week, gotta tell you. We're getting to PCC Multiverse 300 on next week's show. That's right. 300 of them will come next week on the PCC Multiverse. So you can get the latest notifications when we go live with number 300. If you subscribe today on YouTube, plus you can go ahead and check us out at popculturecosmos.com. And also, of course, the number one place to go on Facebook with not only the fact that we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer where we've got tons of hours of RPG action waiting right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. We are also the best place to go for the latest news and information on the world of pop culture right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is our own mistress of the black curtain behind her <laughs> from pop culture cosmos you got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at pop culture cosmos on facebook also as well of course her awesome games vampires and vitae wizards and wine and wild beyond the Witchlight. they are just so fantastic games that you got to go ahead and become a part of if you love role playing if you like delving into mystery delving into comedy, delving into a fantastic adventure. There's no better place to go than the games run by her. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, I almost fell asleep during the intro because the intro song, the one I chose, was pretty sleepy. And I almost was going, <laughs> doo, 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 doo. It was like with the soft piano, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, stop. It wasn't that bad. I'll send well, you some I, stuff. I, I, you didn't see me in, in the other room going, do, 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 do. Oh. It was like, oh. <laughs> but how are you doing, my friend? I am well. How are you? I'm doing, I'm actually doing pretty good. Pretty good. good. Got a lot of momentum this week on the Lakers fast break because the NBA season has started. The pop culture cosmos is going strong. Inside Sports Fantasy Football is still going live with a lot of great stuff that's going on. But pop culture is still going strong because we've got a lot of stuff yet still to come in 2022. The video game frenzy is going to start really kicking up with a lot of great releases coming up just before Black Friday. Of course, we've got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. People are already targeting it for a $175 to $200 million opening when that comes out. And of course, we got what's coming up this weekend with a great matchup between... George Clooney and Julia Roberts, their ticket to paradise. We'll talk about how that you should not sneeze on if you're thinking about there, but also what is the critical reception. And also, of course, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, Black Adam is now debuting in theaters. We'll talk about that as far as the word on it and also what it may do, which is kind of concerning for the DCEU. We'll talk about that. Plus also 
Melinda on the back end of the show is going to be talking about Interview with a Vampire on AMC. She is caught up and she's going to give you the skinny on making sure that you cover your neck while she you know, goes ahead and explains to you about <laughs> Interview with a Vampire and why you should check it out. Speaking of funny stuff in the world of gaming that we talked about earlier, the Interview with a Vampire is one thing, but Bayonetta 3, which is kind of like a vampire's thing kind of. In a way, but if you played the games, Bayonetta 1 and 2, one of the most critically hailed series of all time, yet no one's really played it. Bayonetta 3 is coming out this week, and unfortunately there's a controversy that's coming alongside of it. We'll talk about how this, of all the games that are going to be released this year, didn't need this type of controversy. That's coming up later in the show, plus the MCU makes a surprise hiring as far as a replacement for Thunderbolt Ross. I've been asking for a replacement for Thunderbolt Ross to replace the late William Hurt. Who did they replace him with? It's a big surprise. We'll go ahead and share that thoughts on that. It was also as well the Vow 2. That came out as far as the Vow Season 2. The Nixon controversy as far as the cult. The thing that uh, actually got us a lot of views on our YouTube channel here is one of our highest rated conversations that's out there. When I talked to Kelly Lanigan about The Vow on Season 1, The Vow Season 2 came out with some really interesting stuff. We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. Plus, also, if we have time, maybe some Andor, talking about that. But that was just kind of another filler episode, in case you just wanted to go ahead and talk about that. But also, TJ Johnson will stop by with his thoughts on PlayStation and Xbox and how PlayStation is doing it again as far as opening up their mouth on the potential sale for the xbox going ahead and purchasing the rights to blizzard and activision and how playstation is still trying to not let them live it down that's coming up on the show as well but first my friend it is black adam and ticket to paradise the first major heavyweight battle of the fall season as far as movies are concerned Your thoughts, first off, on the Black Adam movie, because Black Adam is probably going to take the weekend here in the United States and worldwide. It is expected to do right around $100 million, and that's going to be a tough ask. And the only reason why I say that normally is because I wouldn't wouldn't say that normally because Black Adam with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and a highly anticipated movie should make a lot of money. But the critical reception, or lack thereof, and the fact that it's got a 40 right now in a Metacritic, People are really, really upset about the critics on this one. I know Josh was all over social media, very angry about the response to Black Adam. Your thoughts on this? Walter Hamada, head of the DCEU, he left Warner Brothers earlier this week because of what's going on with the DCEU. They still have up in the air as far as who's going to lead it going forward. And unfortunately, such an anticipated movie coming out with such tepid reviews It can't help the overall look and the overall future for the DCEU. Yes. And everything that I've been reading has been saying that as a standalone movie, Black Adam is kind of messy. But on the other hand, some of the stuff that I've been reading is that this sets up what they're planning for the DC universe in a really good way. So I'm hearing kind of both things about the movie as a standalone, eh, but setting up stuff for everything that's coming after it, thumbs up. So, And I don't want to say that Black Adam, Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself, is a bad fit as that character because the one positive I am hearing as well is that he is a fit for the Black Adam character going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if if this is what is going to kick off the resurgence of DC and we're going to get a, you know, a, a small break from Marvel for a hot minute, uh then you know, I'm I'm ready for that. I'm okay with that. After the first Wonder Woman movie came out, I haven't been super excited about the stuff that uh DC has done for their movies. Uh, I don't think that I'm alone in that. And uh, it's really too bad. I mean, well, I guess we also had uh, that new Batman movie as well with uh, Pattinson. But yeah, that, that was pretty good. It was. It was. And yeah, no, I, I'm i excited and optimistic about what's coming after Black Adam. I'm not rushing out to the movie theater this weekend to watch it. That's not a thing that's going to happen. But I am excited to see how this is going to set things up moving forward for DC. 
Well, I think that this is the best time for them to go ahead and do some work out there for the public on the DCU because you got to remember, She-Hulk just ended their series in season one. That just ended. And not for a few weeks, you'll see anything from Black Panther Wakanda Forever because that does not come out until mid-November. So right now is the time for DC to take advantage I'm just very sad to see the advanced reviews. People are, you know, I know there's going to be something and some people affected by it. They're going to say, you know what? I'm going to just catch it on HBO Max. I'm just going to wait till it's going to hit this streaming outlet. Or I'm going to wait until it hits, uh, you know, pay-per-view or something like that. I'm just going to wait until it's not going to be the time where I need to go ahead and see it. I'll just see it casually. I'm very, I'm very sad for that. I think it's going to affect the upfront a little bit. I still think it's going to win and still still going to think it's going to do a a pretty good number, but that also doesn't speak well for it long term for the rest of 2022. Yeah, I I agree with you there. But uh, like I said, if if this is laying a layer of foundation for DC moving forward, um, I'm here for it. I will give it my time eventually, but it just won't be at the movie theater this weekend. I understand. But the other movie that's coming out this weekend is a movie that's actually already out internationally. It's been out for a few weeks internationally, and that's Ticket to Paradise. Returning the two much-beloved stars from decades gone by now, and I can't believe I'm saying that, because, but it is true, Julia Roberts and George Clooney, two of the biggest box office stars of the past 30 years, are once again reunited in this comedy this romantic comedy that's also their their what their their kids are are working on their marriage and then all of a sudden they come back together after a long time away where they try to go ahead and and first work against each other but you know obviously as it goes through the movie and on these romantic comedies they will ultimately come together and it has worked so far internationally it doesn't matter what the reviews are on it because reviews metacritic only has a much a little bit a little higher than Black Adam at a 51, but that doesn't seem to matter to international audiences because it scored pretty good as far as internationally because I think that those stars relate to an international audience. I think it'll find a tougher audience here in the States, but I still think it's going to do pretty good, at least for the first couple of weeks with Tickets to Ticket to Paradise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it'll be nice to have something lighthearted that isn't going to take itself too seriously. What do you mean, Halloween Kills doesn't do it for you? (laughs) That looks like a nice romantic comedy between Michael Myers and, and, you know, Jamie Lee Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said for that. But if that kind of romance isn't um, what gets you all excited to go to the movies, this one will probably do the trick. Plus, you know, it's it's always good to see uh, Julia Roberts and George Clooney on the big screen together. They have incredible chemistry. Uh, you can tell that they are just lovely friends. And, you know, all of that true admiration and respect for each other really does come through uh, on the big screen. So it's uh, it's a movie that I would absolutely give uh, some of my time to. Well, I mean, as well as my cash, but, you know, it, the time is the big thing for me. Absolutely. But I expect pretty good returns for Ticket to Paradise. Overall, internationally, absolutely, it's been scoring very well. Here in America, I'm not so sure it's going to do outstanding. I think it's going to do okay. I just think that this will be a telling sign if a Roberts Clooney connection can still work in the States. The States is just as far as this, this, this weird box office mentality that sometimes analysts can never figure out. And I think a, a ticket to paradise will be something that I think that will be, I guess, a, a, a pretty much a litmus test for this type of movie going forward, because we've seen already this fall movies, which we thought might do well. Amsterdam tanked at the box office that could lose as much as a hundred million dollars for the studio. We talked about don't worry, darling, which had all the, the big name cast, all the big name controversy and people just after the first week, just kind of tanked on it. And that's going to end up losing money. Just seems like I cannot figure out. And a lot of other analysts cannot figure out this, this marketplace here in the U.S. So I am using tepid reservation when I when I think that it's going to do okay, but not much more. 
when it comes to Ticket to Paradise. I, re I really just think Julia Roberts and George Clooney, you know, on the movie poster alone is enough for this movie to do well. I, and I you hope know, so. it's, I hope you're yeah. Right. You know, and I think that uh, the opportunity to have a good uh, romantic comedy is something that I think a lot of people are open to right now as well. Let's face it, the entire world has gone through a pretty rough couple of years and having something lighthearted and enjoyable uh, with two people who feel very familiar on screen, uh, I don't think it can miss. I know we will play to an older crowd and it all depends. This is something that you and I have spoken about before. That older crowd, the over 40, over 50 marketplace, coming back to the theaters, that has been the last marketplace. That and the art, uh, as far as the the art movies being able right. to score big, those kind of movies have been the last movies for people to actually want to come back and go see in the theaters because of what's gone on with the coronavirus, because of what's gone on with the pandemic. So. This, I think, would be a great litmus test. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope it'll do more than okay. I hope it does outstanding numbers this week. And I hope it fares very well against Black Adam. And I hope Black Adam, actually, for the DC and Warner Brothers, where we just talked about Walter Hamada already leaving his post as the DCEU chief and having nobody right there to replace him, now looks like it's like this this uh, boat without a someone to steer it right now through the seas and the open waters of the DCEU. I'm hoping that they can take all this chaos aside and actually do well with Black Adam. And I think The Rock, like you said, just like with George Clooney and Julie Roberts, I think for at least a week, for at least a weekend, that having Dwayne The Rock Johnson out there is good enough. He's one of those last few movie stars that can actually still sell an audience on a weekend, no matter how good or bad that movie is. Yeah, I, I agree with you there wholeheartedly. What are your thoughts out there on Black Adam and Ticket to Paradise? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this because, again, these are two of the higher-profile releases of the fall, and we're excited to hear your thoughts on it. Both have not gotten the critical acclaim, but Ticket to Paradise is already doing well overseas. Will both these movies do well here in the States? I am sincerely hoping so, and we'll hear some thoughts with Josh on the Monday show on that because he already has stuff all over the place on social media. Uh, anytime that you know a big high-profile movie gets trashed on by the critics, Josh has instantly says, you know what, I'm going to like this movie. So we'll see if he does. But what are your thoughts out there on Black Adam and Ticket to Paradise? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W where's the controller? Uh, that's it's It's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you're... Here, you're going to need these two. Dice? You've just had... Are these even dice? We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season 2 to Pop Culture Cosmos. Still so much to talk about on today's episode. Something I've been wanting to talk to you about for a little while now has finally come back after, I think, like a two, three-year-ish hiatus, which I saw during the pandemic. And that was The Vow. The Vow Season 1. I don't know if you ever got a chance to check it out on HBO and HBO Max, but this was very compelling television as far as a docu-series, which gave you the inside look at the very controversial cult, Nixon, as far as the, and their, their leader, Keith Raniere, who was ultimately sentenced, if you've been following it, ultimately sentenced to, I believe, over 100 years in prison, if I remember correctly, which they haven't divulged yet on season two of The Vow. They just started that as far as the court case is concerned. But they, the first season chronicled the years inside as far as what was going on, the dangers in trying to leave the cult, and, and the things that were going on inside as far as to these women that were part of it, the secret organizations that, and the branding that was uh, happening, this, the very troubling things that were going on. Your thoughts on this and also the building of a worldwide corporation when it concerns this cult. Your thoughts on The Vow Season 2 
It comes back with already the main individuals involved being arrested, being arraigned. They're in court fighting for their very lives. Keith Raniere, as the head of this, is is now, according to season two, we already know what happens, like I said, but in season two, he's now fighting for his life in, in federal court. All of his compadres, which were at one time testifying with him and fighting fighting with him, are all made deals, plea deals, to, they bailed out on him. So there's no longer a group, it's just him. Your thoughts on The Vow season two, is it something you might be interested in in watching? There is, it's, I equate this in a very strange way to the obsession that everyone had with the Tiger King. I think there is something incredibly interesting about a bizarre situation for the majority of people. There's something. And it came out at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that. um, Just like Yeah, I think there's something voyeuristic about it. And I think that that helps to make it feel compelling and uh, to keep that what's going to happen next thing going. I think that there's a lot of, can you imagine conversations happening while the show is on and anything, any kind of content that can make you do something like that is already successful. So the, the fact that people are still very excited about a, a second season and then where the second season is going to take us, I think is good TV. Good Absolutely. TV. Yeah. It's good TV. But if you get a chance, Melinda, if you've not seen it already, mm-hmm. I recommend to everyone out there. Yes, Tiger King was very compelling for Netflix. Actually, it was a pretty good watch. I thought it wasn't as great a watch as The Vow. I thought of that year, The Vow, I think, killed it as far as so much better, so much more compelling because the dangers and the risks involved for the people on the inside actually being a part of this docuseries and trying to leave the cult in and of itself Plus yeah. the fact that how much reach that they had at one time, the way that they suck you in as far as how they, you know, a lot of these individuals are, were movie and television stars that they sucked into. And they're just like you and I, as far as with confidence issues, with, with personalities that they wanted to go ahead and become better at, to better themselves, better in their lives. They wanted to go ahead and, and try and, and search for something. In fact, I heard the word seeker more times than I could count because a lot of them, I guess it's a, a lingo what they used as far as Nixon, as far as seekers seeking something that they could connect with to hopefully help them for a better life that unfortunately with this cult for many turned very, very wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that something that is also incredibly relatable to a lot of people, I think that at different points in our lives, as we grow and continue to grow as as human beings and, and good people, I think that there are times when we do end up feeling, you know, a, a little bit lost. And I think that those times are when you're kind of at your most vulnerable to things like uh, like this situation, like a, I don't want to say that we're all going to join cults. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it does make you a little bit more susceptible to people who promise you all of the good things and all of the things that you want to hear. And I think it's, it makes it easy to sign up for stuff like that. I obviously, eventually it leads to what have I done? uh, Once you kind of snap out of it a little bit, but I I do think that um, it's weirdly relatable for everybody question mark. Well, and then obviously where it went as far as the sex trafficking and that was what mm-hmm. they're being, you know, accused of the, all the fraud yeah. and other stuff that was into it. But yeah, just a very, very troubling thing. If you, uh, but still very, very well done docuseries. If you see season one and then the first episode dropped this week of season two. So please, if you haven't already go to HBO Max, check it out. It is well worth the watch. And yes, I am saying this from the vantage point of two individuals that probably are being accused of being part of a cult with Dungeons and Dragons, as they used to say the day, you know? Yeah, That's a cult. That's a cult. That's a cult. Yep. You know? yep. If you saw and- Stranger Things from this last season, that they, <laughs> they played on that quite a bit. Yeah, and and don't think that that kind of rhetoric around Dungeons and Dragons is over. I read an article just a couple of days ago that, you know, kind of drug up all of that stuff from the 80s. And you're just like, oh my goodness, that's not true. It's It's a cult, it's a cult. 
it's people sitting around in their pajamas yelling at pieces of plastic for not rolling good numbers. That's what D&D is. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Plus also role-playing to a certain time and, of course, and place yeah. that, they, that maybe they would have wanted to be part of. You know, an adventure, if it's a really good one, that's compelling. People just like enjoying stories. And that's what uh, D&D does as far as what it does for people when it's a really good story that's being told that you want to be a part of. But I, I can see the, the parallels of how you can be drawn into a world of D and D, but what these people were drawn into with Nixon was something much more serious, something that they committed their life, their finances, Mm -hmm. and so much more to that was really just at the time. There's not many things, Melinda, that just perk my eyes up and gets me surprised anymore at the age of 53, as we always say as well, as far as yep. using yep. the Melinda age meter there, the fruit years old. There's not much in life that actually shocks me at this age. Mm-hmm. When I watched that, there were some moments that actually shocked me and surprised me that how in the age of modern way of living, in the 2000s, this is not like this happened in the 70s, in the right. 80s, or the 60s. This happened in like 2005, 2010, 2012, 2000, even to, as late as 2015, this stuff was going on. Yeah. That's what surprised me. And that's what surprised me most. Yeah. And I think that that is also uh, what people legitimately find scary about watching shows like that is that it it is very recent this isn't something that we're talking about that happened 40 50 60 years ago and it's um again relatable to how you get sucked into these things and uh yeah i i think that it's um it's one of those things that just about anybody can imagine themselves at some point in their lives um being susceptible to and falling into Absolutely. Says the woman who's running the Vampires and Vitae cult, which you can catch right now wherever you get your podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not a cult. But you got to go ahead and check it out wherever you get your podcast. But I want to hear everyone's thoughts. The Vows Season 2 dropped their first episode this week, just starting the trial of Keith Raniere, although it was very compelling to see that they were all going to testify together. All the defendants were going to be unified as a group to fight the government in their... trying to go ahead and all the accusations of what went on. But just a few minutes later in the time that you were watching it, you realized everybody bailed out because they all made deals because they knew the truth that something real bad was happening over the years in Nixon. And if you get a chance to watch the vow, I, I will tell you it's worth it. You'll it, it's not, not educational that, but it's just, maybe it's a lesson for people out there that they want to be more, guarded about what they get themselves involved with as far as something on the surface that they think is going to help them being something else so please if you get a chance check out the vow season one and also the vow season two but if you have thoughts please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well my friend before we hit the break and then tj johnson right after it i wanted to go ahead and touch on one last thing and that the rumor i saw last week i didn't want to report on as of yet did come true and it dropped on monday that Harrison Ford will be joining the MCU as Thunderbolt Ross replacing the late William Hurt, something I knew that was going to happen. I knew that William Hurt was going to be replaced. It wasn't going to be a situation like T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman because there's so much affection and love with Thunderbolt Ross and what is needed going forward with the Thunderbolts. You knew they had to find another actor to replace William Hurt at least this is he's going to be at least at the very least in captain america for the new world order your thoughts on this i am a probably one of the biggest harrison ford fans or as my <laughs> daughter says stands that's out there right but at 81 is he too old for the mcu um you know what we'll find out <laughs> well the, the thing is the how sh- much how much do you need him to commit how do you i mean with the thunderbolts what's the kind of timeline I mean, hopefully they told him this is how long we will need you as a character going forward yeah i i imagine so and i think that they're probably approaching it the same way that star trek approached picard mm-hmm. um you know it's it's probably a a limited movie run um unless you know uh harrison and 
yes, absolutely. We, we want him around for as long as possible, but you know, as long as he stays well, and as long as he stays interested in the project, uh, you know, I'm sure that they will find do different ways to kind of insert him into projects after let's say a three movie uh, deal or, or whatever it is that they've made behind the scenes. Um, so I think that, uh, there's an understanding of the level of commitment and uh, like, just like there was with, uh, I was going to say Jean-Luc, <laughs> just like there was with uh, Patrick Stewart and, uh, and Star Trek. I, I feel like it's a, it's an understood timeline. And uh, as long as he's interested and capable, I'm sure that he will find ways to get a sneak in there every once in a while. Let me say this. I think that if you can get him to Thunderbolts to the point where he becomes Red Hulk, yeah, and you don't have to go ahead and have him there beyond Red Hulk. So you know he's not long for staying into a a franchise unless he really enjoys it, like Indiana Jones. And bringing him back for IJ Five was probably a, a task in and of itself to go ahead and get him to say yes on that. So I'm thankful that he's in it. I'm just worried about how much he can commit to this series going forward. Well, like I said, that's already, I'm sure, hammered out in great detail. And uh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, there's there's a lot of money involved in this one. And I am sure that back up the Brinks truck. Isn't that how you usually that's, put it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. You were, we're on the same wavelength. I was going to use that same line after you said that. That's our phrase here. That's our motto right here yeah. the Pop Culture Cosmos. Back up that Brinks truck. Back up yeah. that Brinks truck indeed for... Mr. Harrison Ford as he becomes Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU. What are your thoughts out there? I know a lot of people were excited for it. I am excited. Again, I'm a Harrison Ford stan, so I'm enjoying it. I'm eager to see what will happen as Harrison Ford starting in Captain America 4, New World Order. But let me hear your thoughts on Harrison Ford joining the MCU as Thunderbolt Ross. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Action Figure Adventure is back with Season 2, and we're going further than ever before. Checking out more toy stores than ever before, and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about Holy Grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure Season 2. 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Jinx TV Canada. TJ and I talk at like the weirdest times, okay? In fact, <laughs> I think we were talking last night or the other night at like 2.30 my time in the morning. I was just trying to send him a message. I thought it was just going to be there when he woke up and just all of a sudden he starts responding to me because he's on the East Coast. I'm just like, okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> and then he, and he hit me up, I think, at another weird time in regards to this. And that was Sony. And it's recent continuing comments on Xbox as far as the fact that they are not liking at all. They, they don't care about any of the other transactions that they made. The Bethesda, they have didn't really make a big fuss about or so any of the of smaller stuff as far as the purchases that they made. But when it comes to the beloved Call of Duty, which is the most popular game on the PlayStation platform, which is also the most popular version is the PlayStation platform. They are very mad about Activision Blizzard being, well, impending a approval, a purchase by Microsoft. I also want to add in that it's just come out as far as some heavy rumors from several different outlets are reporting that Xbox tried to go ahead and get permission to put Xbox Games Pass on the PlayStation like they are on Nintendo, like they are on PC, and were refused by Sony. So putting that all into perspective, I want to hear your thoughts on that. If that is true, and Xbox mm -hmm. tried to do that, and PlayStation said no, 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 mm -hmm. and we hear the thoughts on PlayStation, I don't, I, again, I try to sound as unbiased as I can. I am an owner of all three of the systems, but I have leaned over the years as far as Xbox, as far as the best value, economic mm -hmm. value for people. Yep. And I look yep. at it in that sense. So yep. don't say I'm an Xbox stan. Touching on again. Uh, as i've told you i have a love for uncharted that knows no bounds so that's a playstation exclusive but yep. i have said that the xbox in the previous and the current generation is the best economic value for families out there your thoughts on this my friend because again it sounds to me as someone who has loved and appreciated sony and playstation so much that you're kind of irritated by what they're saying about xbox 
I am. You know, I we we understand the the war of words and the war when two when two companies are at war, right? The winner should be the consumers. Uh, but what happens is it gets really, really messy. And, you know, we are now in a position where we're much more savvy consumers, right? So we we pay more attention to to the companies that we're spending money in. We pay more attention to what they're about, their their political affiliations, for better or for worse, what their their stance are on on abortion rights. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever that microcosm is that we're looking through, we're paying more attention to the way companies are responding to it. We're paying more attention to the way companies respond to controversy. We're paying more attention to the way companies uh, conduct their business. So you look at a company like Sony, who has as far as I can remember, has had exclusive access to certain aspects of certain things about Call of Duty. They've had certain wars, certain certain maps, certain modes, certain blah, 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 blah. There have been numerous upon numerous of benefits, if you will, to playing Call of Duty on PlayStation. So for them to talk about and for them to go so far as to talk about how terrible it's going to be for the business for Microsoft to acquire Activision, which also has Call of Duty and other uh, other entities under there but the only one that seemed to be worried about is call of duty it's just it's really childish um the fact that they've put forth such a paltry effort in regards to trying to combat game pass because so they try to combat game pass with their own version of whatever it is they're calling it um it, it's not really doing what everybody was expecting it to do having no day one releases except for stray they had stray day one with yeah. it so that was something i guess um it's just very telling that they're spending way too much time worried about what Microsoft is doing. Microsoft is being very clear. We're here to, to provide value. As you already mentioned, you're going to get the best bang for your buck with the Microsoft console. There's just no, there's no getting around that. And, and the fact that they've actually tried to go ahead and put Xbox Games Pass on other platforms says, you know what, mm-hmm. we just want you to go ahead and subscribe to the service. If you want to get it on Xbox, that's great. If you want to get it on something else, that's good too. That's good too. You know, we're we're. It's almost like being from Chicago. You have Cubs fans. You have Sox fans. Sox fans hate Cubs fans. Cub fans don't care about Sox fans. We don't care. It's not that deep to us. We're here to enjoy ourselves, have a good time, drink a beer, and we're good. We're here to party and have fun, right? Sox fans tend to be much more aggressive. You know, the good guys wear black. Okay, buddy, you got it. Whatever you say. Saying that to say Microsoft and Sony is in a very, very similar battle where Sony's very much, uh, you know, this is wrong. This is why it's wrong. Blah, 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 blah. And Microsoft's like, look, man, we just want you guys to enjoy our games. We want you guys to enjoy our games in whatever way that is. If you don't want to buy a console from us, don't buy a console from us. That's something that you and I talked about very much in depth over the course of the last, over, over the course of shows in the past, was how Microsoft's approach to gaming is different. They're not interested in console sales anymore. They're going to give you the best value that they can as far as the strongest console that they feel like they can put out. But the the truth of the matter is the sales are not about the console anymore. Now it's about the software. It's about the subscription. It's about the platform. It's more than a console war at this point. Now it's a a war for consumers' uh, pockets, if you will. And Microsoft is giving consumers the best value for their buck. And this is Sony desperately trying to hold on to whatever, whatever they can as far as their leg up on Microsoft. And, and let's be very clear, we're talking about Call of Duty, but Sony has so many um, private IPs, you know, from uh, having bought out Sucker Punched, having bought out um, uh, Bungie now, having bought out so many other different uh, companies. I don't hear Xbox complaining about that. Xbox doesn't complain about it because Xbox is like, yo, that's part of the gig. That's what that's what it is. I'm not going to complain because now you bought out the studio that gave us Halo. I'm not going to complain because you bought out the studio that we had uh, with Sunset Overdrive initially being an Xbox uh, Xbox only title. It is the nature of the business. So if if it's good for the goose, why can't it be good for the gander? It's just it, it's bad form on Sony. Sony is it, it, looking more and more like a company with um, a, a black eye in regards to how they conduct their business. And it it, it does not entice me to spend money on sony does that make sense it doesn't entice me to want to support uh to support them microsoft has been very very clear about being a consumer uh consumer brand first and maybe that wasn't like that in the past and phil spencer has been very very transparent 
very, very open and honest about where they are, what they're trying to do, who they're trying to be now. They can't, we, we, we can't continue to hold them for what they've done in the past. He's very, very clear about where they are now, what they're trying to be now. And what they're trying to be is all in on consumers getting the best value uh, for what they currently, for what they, for what they're looking for, and having the Xbox Game Pass being an option on the PlayStation would have made this blow inevitably. Because I, I really do feel like, in my heart of hearts, that this is going to happen. That the Activision merger is going to happen, and that Sony's going to have to suck it up. You know, Microsoft's made it very clear that we're going to continue to support your platform. We're going to continue to put Call of Duty games on PlayStation. Are we going to make them for a better? limited time? For, be yeah, for three, a limited time, four year, three, four years is going to be. Yeah, three, I mean, four, but that's that's, that's what they said. Four editions, editions. Yeah, that's what they've said so far. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm. I can't imagine them not doing it at all. But even if that is the case, right? And I even think for they these next, I, I seriously think that they have to. If they really want to gain a foothold i think at mm-hmm. some point in time they're going to have to say take an edition of call of duty whatever year will be whether it's year excuse me edition four or five mm-hmm. down the road and just say you know what it's not coming on playstation okay either that or continue to make it better on xbox make it the better game to purchase on xbox maybe get the dlc being uh maybe getting instead of it being a timed exclusive dlc make it a console specific dlc like there's Good still point. benefits there are still benefits to owning the company let's be very clear but as far as the game aspect i'm going to give you the game i'm going to give you the multiplayer we're still going to be able and we'll make it let's make it cross-gen compatible let's yeah. do things to, to to bridge this gap but will it be a better experience on Xbox? It will, and it should be a better experience because Microsoft owns the company. It mm-hmm. should be the better experience on. But that doesn't mean that it can't be an experience at all on PlayStation, and that's what I feel like Microsoft is trying to do. But PlayStation is like, nope, we want the best of the best of the best of the best. They've been the one to get the most exclusivity from it. They've been the one to have the most uh, praise in regards to Call of Duty. They want all of it, and Microsoft, and, and, and they, look like, they look like a bunch of spoiled brats. They look like spoiled brats. And I, if I didn't already have a PlayStation, I would be less less inclined to purchase one just because I don't agree with the way that they're conducting themselves. It's very disappointing to see. It it's, is. It's, it's crying over spilled milk. They didn't dish out the 60 plus billion dollars to do it. Yeah. And, you know, as simple as that. You know, yeah, I, you had an opportunity to buy it like everybody else. I, I've not heard Xbox. I've not heard Phil Spencer say at one time that you know any discouraging words or disparaging words about PlayStation when they bought a like you said when they bought Sucker Punch or when they whatever arrangement that they have as far as them purchasing or not necessarily purchasing is kind of a different arrangement. Because Bungie's still going to do its own thing the way they want to see fit, but they they kind of go into an agreement with each other whatever way that that they're going to go ahead and do that going mm. forward. But I really think that, you know, it's just the way that they're handling it compared to Xbox is very disappointing to see. Even Nintendo, Nintendo, you know, Nintendo is usually a hard line on a lot of stuff as far as what it allows on this platform or mm-hmm. what they say publicly. They're usually very tight lipped. I'm, I'm glad that in this scenario and this back and forth that they've not interjected themselves. I'm glad that at least they've they've allowed their consumers, if they want to go ahead and have the Xbox games pass at their you know at their leisure at least that at least working with xbox on some things on that nature at least at the very least i know that they have an open relationship or more open relationship than playstation Mm -hmm. does playstation had to be really they were really reluctant to do cross play and it wasn't Mm -hmm. until threats by publishers and uh, game developers until they went ahead and did actually that as far as allowed for that so I understand PlayStation's exclusivity is the reason why they want to go ahead and continue that because it's led to their success. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the future is going to dictate otherwise. And, you know, they're just going to have to be more aggressive on, on, on things that they buy and things that they create because if they don't, they're going to get left behind. And, and let's be very clear. Sony is world class at creating first party software games, uh, first party software. I mean, the Uncharted, as you've already mentioned, Bloodborne's. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, and now having access to all of Insomniac Last and their of Marvel. Us. Last of Us. I mean, they are fantastic at creating first-party games. So Horizon Zero, let's do another remake even... only a few hours left. Let's not even start on that. Yeah, well... But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, the fact of the matter is they're so talented. They have such talented studios that really Microsoft looking to acquire Activision should just be a way of Sony being like, 
it's not enough. You can acquire whatever studio you want. You're not going to be better than us. That's how, but that's, that's, I don't know if that's just the, the alpha in me saying buy the studio. That's okay. Now it, it gives me reason to invest more time back into Killzone. And it gives me reason to invest more time back into my own first person shooter uh, because you've already proven that you can't beat me with what you have. So you've got to buy me out. Fine. I'd love, buy it to, out. I'd, I'd love to see I like another the competition. Kill- I'd love yeah. to see another kill zone or a resistance. I'd love to or see resistance. A return to, to a resistance. Another Sokum, if you will. But something yeah. else that's that's okay with combating against Call of Duty. It's 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 not the be all end all. Yes, it, we're talking about Call of Duty and it is a juggernaut of a game. I understand the franchise, I understand what it implies. I get all of that. But let's be very, very clear. It does it's not the be all end all. You have consumers who very seldom play Call of Duty games. I'm one that just recently started playing back Call of Duty, um, just with the last Modern Warfare. I haven't played Call of Duty really since the old Modern Warfare from the previous two generations. So the fact of the matter is, there are many more things that sway me for a console than Call of Duty. Um, It's going to be more bang for my buck, and Microsoft's ecosystem is better. Uh, Sony's platform is strong because of their first-party titles, um, I love their, their I love their controller. I don't like the fact that their controller already has stick drift, um, and we've only had the system out for almost a year at this point. Uh, I'm sorry, a little more than a year, two years. It came on 2020. Mm, yeah, 2020. Okay, so almost two years at this point. We already got stick drift. That's another conversation for another day. Actually, a little more but, than two years. No, it's coming up on three. It's is it coming, coming up, up on three? three? It's coming up on three. Adios, mijo. Where's the time yeah. going? Yeah. Point being, point being is that. There's more to my consumerism than Call of Duty, and there should be their focus should be on creating the best possible content, creating the best possible uh, plan to attack Microsoft and their Game Pass because that's the real the real threat is Game Pass. Forget Call of Duty, forget the Activision buyout. The real threat, as it stands, is Game Pass. That's what their focus needs to be on, and them trying to do with this tier system is cool i guess but it's not it's not the same and consumers know it's not the same so you're not uh, focusing your attention where it needs to be the console wars are becoming closer right the the console sales are starting to pick up as far as xbox is concerned the gap is starting to narrow between playstation and xbox in regards to consoles sold but the big thing that everybody that that's the real key that we've talked about before is subscriptions and that's where microsoft is just killing them so (sighs) Sony, you need to get your act together, man. It's not that deep. It's really not. No, (laughs) again, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. But if anyone out there has thoughts on the current situation with Sony and Xbox and the console wars and the fact that Xbox actually wants to evolve beyond that, but the resistance and backlash to that, obviously with the impending purchase of Activision Blizzard and the fact that someday that PlayStation owners and PlayStation users may not have a Call of Duty sometime down the road, not right away, but sometime down the road as a possibility, irks Sony to no end. Your thoughts on this whole thing, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Want to thank so much TJ Johnson for being on the show today, for being part of the program and sharing his thoughts on Sony and Xbox and that continual venting of Sony being so angry at, at Xbox for the acquisition. And, you know, they're trying to really moan and groan out there so they can get the UK because the UK is currently reviewing this acquisition by Xbox of Blizzard Activision, and they're trying to go ahead and evaluate now. So they're, Sony's putting in his two cents. So I appreciate uh, TJ Johnson sharing his thoughts on that. But 
Before we head on out, my friend, speaking of video games, out this week is going to be Bayonetta 3 for the Nintendo Switch, a series which has been critically lauded. And I mean critically lauded. It's one mm-hmm. of the most hailed games. It is something that if you weren't a gamer and you ask and you were asked, what are some of the best overall series on Nintendo platforms? You would say, of course, Zelda. You would say, of course, Mario. You would say, of course, maybe Metroid, or you would say maybe, of course, something like Splatoon. All solid IPs, all great IPs, but one of the highest rated IPs with their first two games that have come out on these systems, the Wii U and uh, I think the, the first, yeah, the Wii U, and then after that on the Switch was Bayonetta 1 and 2. And those were, for a long time, just exclusive games on those platforms. They came out to huge, huge critical response, but very few people played them. And with Bayonetta 3 coming out, I don't know what the scores are for it yet. I'm anticipating something really solid to at least really good to at least really very good for it. Unfortunately, the bad has come out of it for a game that really absolutely needs no bad pub or else there's going to be lost sales. And it doesn't need lost sales for a game that doesn't sell very much because voice actress Helena Taylor, who actually voiced the Bayonetta character from the first two games, was not the voice behind the third because she was offered and actually broke an NDA to tell everybody that Platinum Games only offered her $4,000. So in step Jennifer Hale, which we all know from Mass Effect and so many other games, she's one of the, she's probably the preeminent female voice actor in the industry, but Your thoughts on this, Helena Taylor, who did a magnificent performance and a magnificent job in numbers one and two for Bayonetta, not in there for three. They gave her a lowball offer. She went public about it. It's probably going to get very messy before it gets any better. This just doesn't help a critically hailed but low selling game at all in Bayonetta. And just just to me, it's a very ugly situation that's probably going to get a lot worse. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you there. And um, I, you know, am fortunate that I have a a couple of voiceover clients myself. So I do a very small amount of voiceover work and would love to do more. But the industry isn't what it once was. And those, those jobs that pay lots of money are few and far between. But hearing that an actress, or sorry, a voiceover actor who has been working on a video game was offered uh, an offer like that is incredibly disappointing, but it's also not super surprising, you know, and it's really too bad because now you have, you know, a a great voice actor who has lost out on a gig uh, because of a situation that uh, was unfair to start with. I also know through some of the reading that I did before we jumped on the air that the boss of the Platinum Games. Yes, thank you. He has said that that absolutely did not happen and that, uh, you know, things have been blown way out of proportion. He said, and he said. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of turning into a little bit of that. And Jennifer Hale released a statement and she said she couldn't say much because of the NDA. But she did say that, you know, there are a lot of people aside from the people who voice the characters who've worked on this. And, uh, you know, they don't deserve to have all of their work being boycotted because of a, a he said, she said situation. So I don't know if Jennifer knows more than the rest of us about exactly what happened with Helena, but it's an unfortunate situation. But again, not super surprising. Gotta be a killer for the series. This could end yeah. Bayonetta for good. And that's something that's tragic because again, it, it is up until Bayonetta 3, one of the highest rated IPs on any platform. We're talking yeah. a game that in both one and two have been in the 90s on Metacritic. So yeah. it's just disappointing to see this happening to a series that needs as much love as it can get. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this may be something that if it wasn't on someone's radar, it's on their radar now. It it could drive a little bit of curiosity to see what the game is about. So it may have the opposite effect uh, once things start to shake themselves out. The damage has been done at this point, and it's really too bad when you start to see stuff like this happening. But like I said, it's not unusual news. It's not unheard of for lowball offers like that to come by the way of voice actors. 
So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what really happens with it. It is coming out in the next few days on the 28th. So please, please uh, just, I don't want to say boycott it because I do want to support the voice actor involved, Helena Taylor, but I also want to support the actual gaming company that makes this because it is the game that needs as much love as it can get. So I'm rock, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. This sucks, Melinda. This sucks. You know, but, but you're, you're really not though, Gerald, like you, if you have enjoyed the games and you know, if this did or did not happen exactly the way that it has been said by either side, one way or another, anything that you touch, anything that you watch, anything that you look at, look at, has something unfortunate attached to it. Just about everything does. So if this is a game that you have loved, I don't think that this is the thing uh, that should force you to stop playing it or stop supporting it or, uh, you know, stop taking part in it. Uh, By all means, continue on. But, you know, be aware and have this in the back of your mind. And if we hear stuff like this coming up again, Uh, from the Bayonetta camp, you know, that's going to add a little bit more credence to it. And, you know, at at that point, maybe that's when we start to kind of make a decision and and make some of those tough calls about not wanting to continue to support it. But for right now, I think until we know more about exactly what happened and we kind of get to the bottom of he said, she said, I I don't think that this is reason enough or cause enough to go ahead and, and pull the plug on it. What are your thoughts on the controversy surrounding the upcoming release of Bayonetta 3? Is it something you're going to bypass and still play the game anyways, or are you going to support the fight that Helena Taylor is having against Platinum Games and deciding not to buy it? Or if you have a Switch, did you even care at all about Bayonetta? Mm. And that's the most important thing, because the fact is if you didn't care at all about the series before, is this going to make you not even care even less about it now? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a fantastic episode. You knocked it out of the park as always. <laughs> 300 is coming next week for us here at the PC Multiverse. I cannot wait. But any last thoughts on any vampire shows you've been watching before we head yes. on out? So because I, so, okay, a little bit of history. So in Dungeons and Dragons, there's a character called Strahd who is a vampire. And uh, it's one of the best modules. It's been hailed by people, not just the me. The Curse of Strahd, if I'm The correct. Curse of Strahd, exactly. Uh, one of the best modules that you can get for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons right now. But Strahd was my gateway vampire into the world of Anne Rice. It was Strahd who led me to Anne's, which I was so strange and what a weird way to go about it. But as soon as I discovered Anne Rice and uh, Lestat and Louis and Marius and Pandora, and the list goes on and on and on, I was hooked. So with the unfortunate passing of Anne Rice, I'm still super sad about it. I'm thrilled to see that her legacy is carrying on the way that this television show is being done. They've made significant changes to the story. Some of the dialogue is mirrored perfectly to the movie that came out in the 90s with Tom Cruise and uh, Brad Pitt. You know, there's like exact lines that you'll get every once in a while. And just like, hey, I know what that's from. I was uh, saw that in the theater <laughs> uh, back in the day. But... I've enjoyed the changes that they've made. I'm here for it. I I think it's a lovely um, update to the story is one way to put it, because I believe it came out in like 1979, Interview with a Vampire. But it absolutely is something that absolutely deserves your attention and absolutely deserves your time. Definitely not a show for children. I will let you know that. The way the Game of Thrones is not a show for children, neither is this. (laughs) Let me just put it that way. But you've enjoyed your time with the series so far. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And it's it's beautiful to look at. The The characters are tragic and broken and powerful and beautiful. It's just, it's so good. Please give it some of your time. It deserves it. It really does. Once again, that's Interview with a Vampire. You can catch it today on AMC. And again, Melinda, just so great to have you here. Looking forward to next week. When we're talking 300 on the PC Multiverse, also on Monday show, you know, Josh and I are going to be talking about the results of Black Adam. You know, he has a lot to say on that, especially with the critical advance. We're going to talk about Ticket to Paradise and a whole lot more. So please join us on Monday for the Pop Culture Cosmos and next Friday 
for a special PC Multiverse number 300 indeed. So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. Listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.